Are you ready to become toxic person proof? Hey guys, Sarah K. Ramsey here to help you find love and success after a toxic relationship so you can design a life you're actually excited about living. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I'm here with Krista Lumineer, uh, who has her PhD as well as more than 40 years' experience as a counselor, consultant, and educator to individuals, couples, and families. And she's really an expert on attachment styles, which I'm excited to chat with today. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm having a good day. Well, I'm having I am I'm having an interesting day, and I am happy to be at peace with you today. And, and talk about attachment styles and how it affects our lives. Yeah, it's very defining because the neuroscience of relationship and attachment approach has clarified how our early attachment styles with our primary attachment figures, mother, father, adoptive parents, step parents, grandparents, nannies siblings, aunts, uncles, but particularly the mother-father dynamic, even an Mm -hmm. absent parent, defines our adult dynamics. Our early childhood attachment style actually defines how we bond Mm -hmm. with our partners. And over time, we can actually, if we have different attachment styles with each parent or primary caregivers, different partners can bring out, you know, latent, unresolved issues that are born out of how we attach to our primary attachment figures. So it's worth knowing, especially if there's a lot of reactivity. It's almost always found in what's going on with the attachment dynamic. So what are the attachment styles? (laughs) So you'll hear, just a, a, um, a clarification, you'll hear me talk about love styles. I Okay my partner, it's just synonymous, same thing as attachment styles. But in our work, we have a love style profile quiz where people can take their, their uh, quiz to see their attachment styles. So I may say attachment style, love style, same thing. So there's four primary attachment styles Mm -hmm. defined by John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth back in the fifties, where they were just looking at the dynamic between parent and child, Mm -hmm. secure attachment, insecure attachment, Wait, secure attachment, insecure anxious attachment, insecure avoidant attachment, and insecure trauma attachment. So I'm going to talk about each one very succinctly. And the distinction here is that there's secure attachment, one out of four, and the other three are how we react when we get triggered and go into insecure reactions. There's three different distinctions there. So secure attachment is this, the general behavior is we commit as a couple as hopefully we had a parent who cared about us for secure attachment as our security being the most important priority that in this case with couples, the relationship is a priority, soothing each other's distress is a priority, empowering each other's true self is a priority. And it's like, you are my go-to person. Just like when we were in distress as a child, hopefully we had one go-to person to help regulate us when we felt insecure. It's the feeling of feeling loved and harmonious, peaceful and the the feelings I'm safe with you. I feel loved. Safe you know? is the word I kept thinking about safe. as you were chatting. Safe. Yes. You know, secure, yes. Not safe. Okay. So we define secure attachment as 80% of the time, minimum four out of five interactions are smooth. You're my go-to person. And of course we have hard days. We fight. Fighting is not a defining factor if we're in a toxic relationship. It's how we fight. If we fight, fight it's important. with mm-hmm. secure attachment guidelines, which we can unpack later. The other three styles, insecure, anxious, of which I'm in that sub club. In other words, when I get triggered, I go into any of us, we go into the midsection of the brain. You've heard of the mm-hmm. fight or flight amygdala. Mm-hmm. 
We go into fight, which is insecure, anxious, or flight, insecure, avoidant. Mm-hmm. Insecure, anxious. It's basically our behaviors are we we pursue. We when triggered, we go after. We go. We attack. We criticize. We complain, and we go into a hyper aroused our nervous system. You can see it and hear it. Where are you going? The fascination is fixation usually when we really escalate and stay kind of in this highly anxious. I feel you're abandoning me physically, emotionally. I, I'm desperate. I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm anxious. You're disappearing on me. And there's this need to resolve the discontent, the need to re- get reassurance. You're not going anywhere. We're going to work it through. And the primary feeling is you don't care about me. You know, it's like, um, uh, I need you don't disappear. Uh, so, so don't, you don't care don't about me. And then it like, which is like a wake a bear. I'm trying to like wrap up what you're saying. So kind of like it wakes this bear in you and you kind of go on like, ah, yeah, I I usually, I call it, I see it most women who, you know, Uh men as kind of a cat. I often talk about the claws. Okay. Come back. Of course they pursue. They're called, they're called insecure, anxious pursuers. Okay. They want resolution now. Otherwise Uh the anxiety escalates. Now here's the problem. If they're with the next attachment style, I go into flight and there's, I'm, I'm afraid you're leaving. And the other partner's insecure avoidant, mm-hmm. the avoidance, they withdraw, they hide out. They're more, they shut down by taking care of myself only. See you later. They're avoidant, just like their name. They, they also have a fear. Their fear is I don't get to have my feelings matter. When I was a child, I never got anyone to care for my needs, my need to be held my need to be heard so i learned i don't depend on anyone and i learned to self-suit so it's this the behind that all is that no one really cares for my feelings so as soon as it gets scary in relationship i've learned just take care of myself that other person is dangerous now here's the problem it's the classic couples dynamic that ends up in my office or on my online screen these days where the anxious is desperate to resolve the connection don't go anywhere the avoidant is like, I need space in order to regulate myself to maybe come back if you're safe, but you, that anxious one, you're flooding me. You're scaring me. You don't feel safe. So I'm going to keep pulling back, kind of numbing, going down. They're usually run by a lot of unprocessed shame. They're not good enough. The anxious criticizes them. Where are you going? You're not loving. But wait a minute. You're telling me I'm a bad lover or a bad person. You're making it really unsafe. And you expect me to open up and lean in and care for you when you right now are the scary cat clawing at me. So (laughs) the thing is, is that the avoidant avoidant Uh is they're quieter usually. They go down. They're more frozen. That's, you know, they numb out. And they, they think, oh, there you are. You're overreacting. It's all about you. But what they don't realize is that actually when they shut the door, they avoid. It's just as provocative. It's like someone who wants to connect with you and you slam the door in their face. You might be quiet, but it's just as aggressive. It's passive mm-hmm. aggressive. Mm-hmm. Let me just finish the third style because there's a lot of distinctions here, but I don't want to overload the listener. The third style is the insecure traumatic. Okay. It's not always talked about, but it's critical especially now that trauma is becoming more of a conscious understanding. What does trauma mean? I feel insecure when, when do I know it's, it's not just insecure, anxious, normal anxiety, normal avoidance, insecure, anxious, uh, uh, trauma is usually on top of one of the other two styles, but it's got an additional component, which is 
when I relate to you, you completely overwhelm me. And the signs of trauma is kind of is disassociation, disorganized, kind of random explosive emotion, overreacting or illogical arguing. It's destructive. The that you know the the insecure, anxious, traumatized uh-huh. will get highly critical and and very verbally abusive, and the insecure, avoidant, traumatized will get almost paralyzed and collapsed and frozen. They, and they can get very destructive also in their silence. They can stonewall for days. They can disappear and abandon you and not care. And so it's usually stems from a parent or primary caregiver or perhaps a past partner. It usually is childhood where the feeling is, I never feel safe for that. I never felt a safe attachment. My parent figure was scary, alcohol, drugs, just like threatened, rage, you know, terrified. And I'm in danger with you is the feeling. And how do we know someone's in trauma? Me sitting here on this side of the screen, having been, I have all these in my history. When I used to go, I had a rageolic father. So when I used to feel really threatened, I would escalate like him, kind of the internalized. It was this despair. Like it was my own outrage I never got to express. Do not treat me this way. And also I, it was with one partner in particular who was like him. I would get flooded and I would need to exist, which I couldn't as a child speak up. And it was just, you know, and so how do you know? You know when the the reaction is much more complicated and goes into toxic behavior, harming each other, abusive, verbally abusive, even physically abusive, you know, contempt, just superior, you're a, you know, putting the other person down. It's a way to get power. But the problem is, is the dysregulation is totally doesn't match to what's happening in present time. Like I used to say to my partner, whatever's happening, I know you don't mean to, but it's triggering my scar tissue. And I can feel myself get into this kind of hysteria that's not making sense, you know, and then it'd be like, I know I'm in a trauma loop and you have to stop as a couple. You have to crack, you have to make a a, a commitment. When we go, one of us calls too triggered, traumatized, I'm in a trance, trauma trance. There's no point in ever discussing a thing because no one can care and hear what you're needing and feeling to feel safe and secure if they're feeling attacked or you're frozen. So I could talk more about each of those. Well, yeah, it's uh, have you read the whole brain child? Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, sure. So I think about it is that that toddler where they talk about the baby gate and like the baby gate is open and the emotions are flooding out. Um, I love that's what I was picturing a bit as you were describing it why you cannot talk in the, to each other in those times. It's like the baby gates open and it's the trauma loop. The baby gates open. And another way we talk about it in the kind of neuroscience perspective is uh-huh. the primitive brain yeah. is actually in the driver's seat. Now, let me, I'd like to give you the re, the listener just a two minute, if I can do it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Understanding what goes on. Mm-hmm. You have to understand the new, the new neuroscience of relationship 10 plus years explains why the number one criteria of happy, healthy, long-lasting relationships is one criteria. It's not whether you know this technique or that technique. 25 years of research, over 2,000 studies show one criteria of happy, happy couples. They make the relieving of each other's distress the top priority. That's what secure love is to the child, especially if they're the cause of distress. Now, why would I have an incentive to do that if you feel dangerous or provocative or overwhelming? 
Well, you have to have a partner who wants to practice secure attachment, secure love, I call it. And they have to understand, and you have to understand, all those reactions are happening in the brain. So I'll make it very simple. When we're in the front of our brain, like this, you and I are talking, it's called the prefrontal lobes. It's called Mm -hmm. the loving brain. Mm -hmm. It's when we can be in our executive function. It's the higher brain. We're not threatened. Everything's quiet. You're not a danger to me. I'm not a danger to you. We have, there we have our pro-relational functions to communicate, to have empathy, to appreciate, to go for win-win solutions when we have difficulties. Mm-hmm. And then what happens when we trigger? What's a trigger? Something about your behavior, verbally or non-verbally. It could be a rolling the eyes. You don't even know. Yeah. Or you just cross your, or you, your mouth. You're not even saying anything. You just dismiss me in a, we trigger and suddenly you are not safe. Your behavior to care for me is threatening me. We go into the midsection of the brain, right in the middle of the, of the, of the brain. We call it a fire alarm. It works just mm-hmm. like it. Suddenly, danger, danger. Or it's kind of like when the fire alarm goes into smoke, not fire yet. It goes uh-huh. into kind of yellow, we call it. Caution, caution, we're entering dangerous dynamics, unthreatening by hand, dynamics, sometimes unconsciously. You don't even know your eyes rolling made me feel like my dismissive parent. And at that point, that's when we go into our insecure attachment style. Suddenly you're threatening. We go into what we call warring brain, primitive brain. It's literally in a more primitive part of the brain. Now, if we go into traumatizing each other, we go into the lower brain stem. And that's where thing where we have the inability to be relational at all. But in this lower primitive brain, once we're hijacked, it's a nanosecond. All the rational pro-relational function goes offline. Now, couples don't know. At that point, a lot of what I teach them is report it. I'm in yellow. I'm in orange. I'm hijacked. I'm trying okay. to stop. Pause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So, okay. Recognizing I'm triggered. Yeah. I'm going into an unhealthy attachment. Okay. I'm not able to want to soothe you or be, or right. soothe myself in My a way that- My capabilities offline. Yeah. My capabilities offline. I love that. Okay. My capabilities are offline. I need a timeout. <laughs> right. It's exactly what it is. Now, the, yes. the timeout could be in the moment, like with my partner, we just say pause. We agree to take three, five breaths. And then it's like, are you ready? Can you reset? Sometimes we are very committed to repair quickly. That's another notion okay. of secure attachment. Because why? When we're in distress, no one does well and no one can care for each other. And everyone's day is lousy because we're all triggered in these kind of righteous you know, positions of being hurt. So part of secure attachment for a couple who commits to secure functioning relationships, secure love, secure attachment, all the same thing, is when we get triggered, we care. Mm-hmm. One, why would I care? Even if my partner upsets me, like last night over the clicker, out of the blue, why would I want to just dig in and ruin my night? Even if I think he's being funky, you know, it's like my night gets taken offline. I don't want to ruin my night. I was just having a great setup to have a good evening with him. So it's like, he took space. I took space. We came back. It was like, are you over it? Yeah. Do you need to talk about it? No, sorry. Sorry. It just misunderstood you. Thanks. The end. Boom. I feel like this is a really important question. Was he wanting to watch basketball? Because my oh, no. husband last night was wanting to watch the Lakers game. And I was very <laughs> sad about so, it. I, I, I lucked out this life. My I grew up with sports father, but my partner is, isn't into sports in that regard. But it wasn't even over the show. It was over something else, which is kind of, it's it's it was minor. That's the point. We, right, we don't need to right. each other. Now, if it's more significant, it could look like this. 
he's more, I go into insecure, anxious. He goes into insecure, avoidant when we get triggered yeah. opposite, right? I realize he needs space. It's in my best interest. And to tell my primitive child park that might get in the driver's seat of my self-expression and say, don't go out of the room. He, he now knows I'm going out, I'm coming back. And my child park goes, great. He needs space. It's in my best interest to get him space because we have a commitment. He's going to come back as soon as he's back online and he's going to use that time to get back in his heart and get back into green, whatever it is. I'm also going to use the time because as long as I'm like, you know, just chatting, he's not going to be able to be open as much. So then I do something to, and we, we decide 20 minutes, five minutes, one goes and gets the other. That's a big and that's a big important distinction, right? Like if yeah. this is not, ugh, I'm over you, I need a timeout and I'm gone for three days and I've slept with two women at the same right. time, right? You that's know, toxic. yeah, <laughs> well, this is toxic person for a podcast. So I want to be very clear. No, that's why I said it. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a, um, a code of conduct, code of conduct for your relationship. Exactly. exactly. Right? Because you can't, you knowing your partner's style when they trigger is so mm-hmm. hardwired from childhood. You can't expect them on demand to nor yourself. You have to have conscious ways to navigate it, particularly if you have opposite styles. Those who go both into anxiety are often ragers. They just rage and just, it's like, hey folks, go ahead and yell for an hour or two and hurt each other. And That's toxic, but you're not going to get the other to care. Why waste the time? If you both know you're hijacked, you call a timeout. In yeah, order yeah. to co- self-regulate yourself, self-soothe, the other can't be online. They're in the midsection of the brain. Some people takes a while to quiet that down. Now, it might need a night. Some people need that long to cycle. But it's a conversation, not a stone exactly. Or there's agreement. Like agreement. We've, had, we've had, you know, a few times a year, we can get in something still. We're, you know, highly functional and we, we live this and teach it, but yeah. we're human. Life sure. happens. Yeah, 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 yeah. Old, yeah. old parts, remnants of old, you know, they come. So we have an agreement, like take space. We, we don't resolve things late at night when we're, when yeah. we're running <laughs> empty. That's a sad. <laughs> yes. You just keep going. You go, let's just park it. I love you. I care about you. Let's give each other a hug. Tomorrow's a new day. And if we need, if you need to talk about it, let's set a time that we do that. I love so it. You know, it's there. And for the anxious, that's critical. Cause they're like, I love it. How would I know you're going to come back? You're just going to put on the rug and it can happen again. We stay anxious because it can happen again. So if we don't resolve it, then, you know, I'm not going to get over it. Women in particular that way, because yeah. they have the, they have the ability with the estrogenic mind to remember the past, the present and the future. And if it's, Happened in the past and it hurt me. It just show me there's any you know mild to severe spectrum. It's happening now. That means it can happen in the future. So I can't park it. I'm anxious because the void is like park it, deep freeze it. We're done. Yeah, that's not me. My husband's a park it, deep freeze it, and I, 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 he's like, how do you remember all this stuff? And it's like there's another there's another reason for that. Go ahead. Well, it's a safety mechanism. It feels. Yes. Like a safety mechanism. It is for him. Right. And for him and for both of us. It's not safe. And they learned avoid park. Don't deal. Cause that person's unsafe. My mother, father never cared for my feelings. I've I've never had the experience where someone cares for my feelings. So I don't bother now if they, that's part of what the anxious has to realize. You have to actually zip it when you get back online and don't just go chomping at them again. Yeah. 
he's going to disappear because yeah. he gets flooded. He needs to learn how to be vulnerable and you've got to give him space. And here's another thing. Men in general, testosterone, brain, they don't have memory to the past. John yeah. Gray told me this of Mars Venus. He studies the brain chemistry. Mm-hmm. In general, they are problem now. That's the Martian. Mm-hmm. Fix it now. The end. What's the problem? Problem, fix it. We're like, build the case. Why? Because it can happen again. We have you have to get sure, all sure. the different details of why. Sure, you know, sure. this is these are generalizations. Of course, they can be reversed. But the other thing about men in general, avoidant men in general, and some avoidant women, usually women are more anxious, not always. The avoidant type, either way, they're usually slower processors. They are like mm-hmm. what we call they process like a tortoise, slow. They need time, self-soothe, lick their wounds kind of maybe if it's safe enough and you back off then they come out and if we immediately we shame you're bad for doing that Ugh. see you later whereas yeah. we are usually anxious are very quick we call we're called we we, we process like a hair we, we have to realize it floods them so yeah. if we so when i feel that coming on i literally go like this no <laughs> my inner job she's like so or even my outraged female it's like you want them to care if you want him to care, you don't just want to lambast him so he'll disappear again. You can't talk to him that way. Even if you're righteous, even if it's he hurt you, you have to be able to talk in a way. You can be angry. But you have to do it in a way where he can actually look at it and feel his impact. And that's very challenging. That sequence is what I do a lot of counseling. It's like sure. how to interrupt those cycles. They can be done. Yeah. There are real simple practices to do that. And you have to be willing to want to learn how, how that's the keyword. You communicate your feelings to each other. And both partners doing the work for considering for our Beautiful. listeners. Yes. If both you have partners. a relationship, both yes. partners, your point. Yes. If you are, especially if you're in trauma bonding, where you're constantly yeah. feeling scared, frightened, you know, uh, you feel in danger in any way. You feel threatened. Remember, secure attachments, at yeah. least 40, four, four out of five interactions, 80% of the time, like K through five version, healthy, secure functioning. It's almost all the time. We might have a blip yeah. once a week. We have a fight once a month. But if you're in constant feeling threatened yeah. and the other person does not want to do their work and they won't own it and they gaslight you and make it all about you, you are not going to feel safe and secure. This is not healthy love. Healthy love feels warm. It feels peaceful. It feels protective. It feels predictable. It's the person's, we're caring for each other. And when we hurt each other, we want to repair it. We want to apologize. We want to learn how not to do it to each other. That's so you can have lots of trauma in your background. You can both have a lot of insecure attachment. You have to want to rewire and learn what secure love is. I love that you said predictable. I love that you said predictable, like healthy love feels predictable. And I think that is not predictably unpredictable, which is the way I've said it. You know, toxic love exactly. is predictably unpredictable. That's but I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at us. That is one of my points. It came up when I suddenly realized one of my exes was like, so, you know, I was talking like my. I remember saying to my brother, and he's come back in a. And he goes, you know, he can trigger again. Yeah. He, and I'm like, because he could present very loving and very wisely. I'm like. Oh yeah, predictably unpredictable. I remember the day I discovered that. So I love it that you have that too. Is when yeah, I do say that, but I have not done the flip side and said that healthy love feels predictable. I've not said it that way. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. I just adding, if we all have a bit of that's why they say secure attachment. The research says 
is not 100% predictable. In other words, we have this minimal one out of five interactions where it doesn't mean we're raging. Other than that. We're just like mm, frustrated, annoyed, learning how to repair and taking longer. But the intention is, here's the bottom line. If I'm unpredictable, I care about my impact and I'm committed to learn how to heal this dynamic rather than keep hurting each other. Mm-hmm. So, and yes, predictable is like most of the time I feel secure and safe with you. When we go into stress, most of the time, and we, if we commit to relieving that distress, whoever can lead it first, and if we don't know how, we get help. Learn how to mm-hmm. do that quicker. Mm, I love it. And uh, that pattern of trying to make it right, not a pattern of blame shifting and then going on about your business. Right. I love that. Tell people where they can find more about you. I loved, uh, I I loved your work in this conversation. So tell people where they can find more about your work. Yeah. My work, uh, www, obviously confused about love one word.com. And you can take a free love style profile quiz. You get six page report, which will tell you which of your four love styles, you know, or if you're a hybrid, I call it within right away in your mailbox, it's free. And then also I have a body of work with, I created with my partner line, like the cat, speaking of cats, uh, called healing narcissism and codependency.com. And that's same attachment, but with these distinctions of how do you rewire narcissism, not personality disorder, self, right, right, right. self-absorbed when I get triggered, usually avoidant, not always, we can get very self-absorbed too, codependent, self-sacrificing. And there's a whole, there's, it's a perennial course people can take. There's a, if you look at the website, you can hear another hour and a half talk with T and I talking about it. I love it. Yeah. Free. Easy to remember. Confused yeah. about love. Um, and before you go, give us your favorite tip for getting back into the driver's seat of your own mind after getting triggered. Yes. Yes. Know what color you're in. Green means you can be effective. Yellow means you're feeling slightly, you know, threatened and you're you could go either way depending on yourself how you show up and how your partner shows up and uh-huh. red and if red you're feeling red don't bother to process wait until you get into pale yellow and green and the mm-hmm. way to do that is to take space nurture yourself whatever self soothes your nervous system to quiet down because that's how you get into it and if it means you need to write an email and wait to send it, or you ask your partner for a time because you really need to talk about it when you're both resourced and can be in green. Otherwise, don't bother. And I want to point out, she said nurture and self-soothe, not just distract, right? Yes. Because <laughs> simple, simple, knowing we're at the end here, you need to understand when you trigger how to get back into out of trigger. Uh-huh. So. You're caring about your nervous system. Fight or flight is the nervous system is aroused. Red alert, red alert, fire, fire, fire. Is this person threatening and dangerous? Is it going to explode into a, a, a blaze between us? So that's all happening in the nervous system. Anxious, ah, soothe it down. Frozen, warm up. Because you're going to have to lean in. Whatever that is, whatever opens your heart. Mm. Oh, rather than just distracts you. I love that. Warm your warm your soul again. I love it. Thank you so much for coming here and helping us on our journey to becoming toxic person proof. Love your work. Thank you. Hello, wonderful. This is Sarah, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know that there was something that you can take away to help you get past the past, get real about the present, or get serious about your future. 
And if I did my job, then hopefully it will help you with all three. If you are not in my Facebook group, Finding Love and Success After a Toxic Relationship, then consider this your personal invitation from me. I'm there live. There's tons of support. And most importantly, tons more information to help you on your journey to become toxic person proof.